Hi, and welcome to the Canny Conversations podcast, powered by the Pathway Group. My name's Mark Wakeley, and I'm one of the team who bring you these podcasts each week. In this current series, Safraz will be talking to some of the business people he's met and worked with in his 23 years at the heart of the West Midlands business community. Joining us in this episode is Sophie Norris, the early years career manager at luxury car makers Bentley Motors Limited. Sophie was born and raised in Cannock in the West Midlands, but now calls Manchester home after attending university there. Safraz will be talking to Sophie about her interesting career journey, from studying English literature to pivoting into human resources, eventually landing her dream role at the iconic British brand Bentley Motors where she now manages a portfolio of over 250 trainees across a variety of programmes. Sophie will also share insights into Bentley's ambitious Beyond 100 strategies, focusing on sustainability and innovation to lead sustainable luxury mobility over the next century. We'll learn how Bentley's managed to accelerate growth and navigate uncertainty over the past few years. Finally, in this first part of her conversation with Safraz, Sophie will talk about her management style and what she's learned from previous managers during her career. So let's join Sophie Norris and Safraz Ali. Hello and welcome to Series 5 of Canny Conversations podcast. I'm absolutely delighted, delighted to have Sophie Norris here with us today, who's driven all the way from <laughs> Manchester to her West Midlands home as she calls home, which I Absolutely. hope she does. Yeah. So, Sophie, firstly, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for coming over. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, it's been really nice to have a nice journey on the M6 for once. So, yeah, yeah it's been and you nice. said there's no traffic as no well. Traffic, so yeah. that's, that's a massive change, <laughs> massive win. change. Yeah, yeah. Massive. So we've shared some thoughts about traffic and kind of chase and various mm-hmm. other things. And, you know, we've had a fantastic conversation earlier on. Tell us a little bit about Manchester. What's holding you in Manchester at the moment? What, why Manchester? Yeah, yes. We need you back here in um, the West Midlands. <laughs> oh, we've been talking to my parents, by yeah. chance. Yeah. So, uh, born and raised in Cannock. Um, yeah. So, proud West Midlander. Went up to the shiny big lights of the big city for university back in 2010. Um, so, went up to Manchester University and never left, really. Yeah. Had that, did that classic thing, better boy. We got married earlier this year. So, yeah, been with him for, for over 10 years so unfortunately I think Manchester is home but yeah West Midlands has a very special place in my heart still okay. so I come back a lot still to see all the family so, yeah okay. nice very to come diplomatic back. there thank you <laughs> thank you so much appreciate that so obviously you're settled in Manchester but mm-hmm. you've got a, a fantastic uh, role yeah uh, you know a lot of responsibility mm-hmm. so talk to us about the work at Bentley Motors because that's what we know you for and you're the early uh, early years career manager yep that's uh, right. And I've got a title. I mean, your LinkedIn is fantastic. It says there's somebody all about supporting early careers at Bentley Motors full mm. stop. Yeah, that's that, it. That, that is yeah. it, isn't it? <laughs> Just that, what that, it says on the, the tin. So, <laughs> which, which is great. I mean, we can probably go home now. But yeah. to, 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 let's break that down a little bit. Yeah. To, talk to us about your work at Absolutely. Uh, Bentley Motors. So Bentley Motors, hopefully everyone is familiar with that as a you know really yeah. proud British brand. Yeah. Uh, we've had a long-standing history of trainees that, that are part of our workforce. And yeah. um, and I've got the the role, and, and I, I will say the honour, actually, of looking after all of our trainees at Bentley. 
So that is everything from our apprenticeship programs, our graduate schemes and our undergraduate programs as well. Anything to do with work experience, anything to do with outreach and the promotion of those opportunities as well. So a really broad role. We have anything from around 250 trainees in the business at any one point. So studying a range of different specialities. So across all of our functions such as manufacturing and engineering that you might expect to associate us with, but also a lot of the commercial areas as well. So finance, um, HR, sales, marketing, quality, purchasing, could be here all day kind of listing the opportunities that our trainees get involved in. So really exciting very fast paced and yeah so I've been there for about four years now as you said it's a household name everybody's it familiar is, yeah. with that James Bond that people start thinking about and various other <laughs> yeah. things it's natural it's a luxury car brand mm. and anybody who's into cars would have probably even drawn the Bentley mm -hmm. brand and so forth it's mm -hmm. a brand which is synonymous, synonymous with Britain with luxury yeah. and innovation yes um, and, yeah uh, so fantastic fantastic name there fantastic organization you know you've said yeah there's many roles and, and there's a lot of opportunities and you know you've got 250 people mm -hmm. that come under the early years yep. sort of careers uh, uh remit but where's the location you know yeah uh, and also to a certain level uh let's break that down a little bit in terms of some of the positions and so forth as well yeah absolutely yeah. so we are based in crew so i still tackle the m6 quite, yeah. quite regularly going down from manchester and we're a single site location so everything from the design of a bentley that initial concept through to all of the strategy teams all of the pre-engineering and um, manufacturer of that bentley sales marketing finance everything that kind of goes with that is on a single site so there's about four thousand colleagues there it is a, an older site so we um um, took it over in 1938 so it, uh, it was uh, it used to be when I joined a series of buildings and since then we had a public road going through it since then we bought the road because you can do that when you're Bentley Motors okay. <laughs> and we've created a, a, a campus now, yeah, yeah we create this campus feel so a lot of investment in the site being part of the VW group has given us you know that kind of injection of cash to electrify our full product range as well so yeah. big period of transformation at Bentley and, and across automotive in more in general in the next few years so yeah, based in Crew, we are very proud of our kind of Crew local community and, and kind of the roots that we have there as well. But we're a real kind of multinational organisation as well. I think we've got 58 different nationalities at Bentley. So yeah. um, a real broad mix of specialities of backgrounds as well. And we have trainees and specialisms in, in a variety of different um, areas. Some of the key kind of future skills area that we're focusing on is electrifying our product range. So we don't have an electric Bentley yet. It's coming to the market soon. So we're hybridising our full product range first then going fully electric so obviously that's a massive learning curve and a big transition from internal combustion engine and our trainees are at the forefront of that so learning those electrification skills electrical engineering manufacturing engineering we also then have a big commercial focus with digital skills so mm. that could be from internal people data that we have in hr to customer data as well really maximizing that and leveraging that um, from, a, from a digital perspective and then project management program management is a real big area of focus for us as well so we've got a massively ambitious strategy over the next few years we call it our beyond 100 strategy so that was set back in 2019 when we turned 100 years old the board took the decision to to kind of draw a line in the sand have right reflect on a massively successful last 100 years of us as a brand but what does the next 100 years look like so sustainability absolutely imperative for us massive area of 
focus for us that's woven through everything that we do. So our Beyond 100 strategy is really ambitious and therefore there's loads going on. Yes, it's a great yeah, time to, absolutely, to be part of absolutely. it. Absolutely. You know, just on that Beyond 100 strategy, mm-hmm. I mean, this is a, a fantastic statement here. Beyond 100 strategy pledges to take the lead in sustainable luxury mob- yeah. mobility. All our cars will be hybrid or electric by 2026. Yeah. You know, you want to be known not just the fact, you know, we're a luxury brand for 100 years, but mm. what does that future look like? And, yeah. and really, it's all about that sustainability, the innovation, mm. and really driving and being and being clear in terms of what the future looks like. It's not just about yeah. celebrating the past. It's the past is the past. Yeah. And yeah, of course, you know, we celebrate that. But also, you know, how do we ensure the fact that the brand that we all know and love retains and grows and thrives. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We don't want to go out of fashion, you know, but our customers have expectations there, which were maybe different to, to customers previously. They are really bothered about the materials that are inside their Bentley, you know, where they're from. We're, we're looking at our whole supply chain. Our, our crew campus is hugely sustainable, so it's carbon neutral. We have our own Bentley bees on campus. We produce our own honey. So, wow. yeah, a lot of different um, kind of work streams going through that so sustainability living, strategy. Bring, living and breathing the yeah. whole sustainability and, and the whole culture of... Absolutely. Uh, fantastic. In terms of, you know, you mentioned 4,000 people mm. and, and I was looking at some of the stats in terms of the growth of Bentley Motors. Mm. And it's actually... And it's astonishing when I'm reading the accounts and, you know, I'm, I'm often sort of looking at financial accounts and, and it's like, Two and a half or two and a half fold uh, increase within five years. So, you mm. know, what was an organization which was 1.2, 1.3 billion is now sort of, you know, crossed sort of four, four billion uh, mm. turnover and massive growth mm. in a period where there's been a, a lot of uncertainty in the period yeah. where there's other, some car, general manufacturers, mm. you know, manufacturing as a whole. People are talking about declining and uh, some of the challenges. Mm. But in terms of Bentley, it's it's really thriving mm. at this moment in time. Do you feel that on a day to day basis? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a really it's been such a great company to be part of, especially as you said through the trials and tribulations of the last few years as well. So I joined in August of 2019. Yes. So at that point, Brexit was the big issue in yeah. business. So it's Brexit preparations. You know, how were we were we dealing with that and the various different avenues that could go down? Once that was kind of resolved, obviously the pandemic hit a huge change in, in terms of business and how we had to deal with that. Since then, there's been semiconductor issues in the supply chain. So there's been conflicts around the world. And I think overcoming that change and being agile enough to deal with it is, is a testament to our board and all of our leaders but also every kind of every colleague at Bentley being able to go through that and still maintain strong to our strategy and make sure that it is flexible enough that we can move agilely but ultimately we were really clear on where we go and we're focused on it and everyone's on board with the journey so it's been a really good learning experience for me actually yeah the last few years so to talk, talk to us a little bit more about the culture I mean you, you know mm. you talk about sustainability you talk about you know the word colleagues you've mentioned that a couple mm. of times what you know if, if you were to talk about the culture of Bentley mm. what, what does that sort of feel like what does that what, you know how is that yeah so at Bentley we have a lot of long-standing colleagues so we we're actually talking about it early we have um many people who have, have loyally served us for, for you know decades and decades actually yeah. but then we have a lot of new ideas and innovative ideas coming through through our trainee populations but we've got a lot of our senior leaders who actually joined us as part of those programs so some of the top senior leaders in the organization joined us as apprentices or graduates so Mm. i think that constant thriving for new knowledge for new opportunities for you know kind of pushing driving innovation it's absolutely part of bentley no matter Mm. what team you're in Mm. so it's, it's a it's a learning culture i'd say in terms of 
people do transition into different roles to take up different experiences. They mm. they do take on more learning opportunities through apprenticeships, you know, um, yeah. after they've maybe kind of finished their learning outside of Bentley. Yeah. Um, and we are we're really focused on our strategy and, and the results that drive that. So we're really clear on what we need to focus on and and getting there kind of as one team. So we talk a lot about collaboration at Bentley. Obviously, yeah. that is much easier on a single site location. But you yeah. know, through the pandemic and things like that, half the workforce all of a sudden went home overnight, which is not yeah. something that we'd had. And we tackled that and delivered our, our best performing year. So I think. Being really clear on the strategy, collaboration, and and a real kind of curiosity for how we can do things differently. How can we challenge our ways of working? How can we be more innovative? And in no matter what role you're in, is really key as well. Okay, thank you for sharing that, Sophie. That's very impressive, and, and we're going to come back and dissect that. But I'm mm-hmm. going to change the tact a little bit. Yeah. And your your educational background is mm-hmm. just as impressive. And <laughs> thank we were, you. <laughs> we were having, I mean, I can't. I, 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 I've got to stop giggling here, but we've got, we've got to. We've, I've got to tackle this first, if I may. Absolutely. So, uh, so Aberystwyth University mm-hmm. Masters degree in archives and archival administration I'm a newbie <laughs> in that area so please help us out with what what is this archives and archival okay. administration so so from a very being very very small I was a complete bookworm so head yeah. in a book all the time I remember in my junior school I read all the books in the school library it's that yeah. kind of kind of approach yeah. so I had a real love of um, of reading and that took me to study English literature Okay. In University of Manchester, yeah, and coming from a true West Midlands family, and the and first generation have gone to uni, so no one had gone to university before me. Fantastic. And they said, "What job will you do with that?" And yeah. I said, "I'll figure that out. Don't worry." Yeah. So I had to take a year out to fund myself through yeah. uni. Okay. I went up to Manchester, okay, and then I was um, I came across the John Ryland's Library on Deansgate, and yeah. it is special collections and archives, and it was this whole new world that I'd never really seen before, and it was kind of preserving past knowledge and things like that through a lot of the special collections that completely. It just caught my imagination, so, and that was so, it. Sorry to interrupt. So no, you know, okay, you know when you talk about these, some of these history books, and they get a they get a mm. book out, and they've got these gloves. Yeah, and all that's it. Is it. That, is that the nail on the head. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So keep, keeping records yeah. and so forth. Yeah, so it's preserving special collections like that. A lot of documents, manuscripts, maybe. So if you see the British Library exhibits, things like yeah. that, that is kind of archives one hundred and one. So. Yeah, okay. so that's what was, captured my so, imagination. What sort of interesting books or uh, archives? Do you remember? Do you remember call some of these sort of ones? Which um, might be? So, uh, I mean, a lot of the classics. I'm a massive Jane Austen fan, so I remember kind of seeing a lot of her kind of personal letters and things like that. Um, so some the, of these original letters. Yeah, 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 and the original manuscripts of some of my favourite novels. And I think it just sparked something in me that I thought... You know, if I could do something like that, I mean, every single quiz I'd ever taken as a school, you know, when it says, what, yeah. what job do you want to go into? Yeah. It would be librarian. And yeah. I thought, you know what, right, that, that's it. That's for me. So realised I needed to have a qualification in that. So after I finished up in Manchester, I went across to Aberystwyth for a year. And I was one of eight people, I think, on our course studying archives and records management so it's well, the, the process unique. of very unique. very unique yeah and I think one of the main things that I actually got from both my time at Manchester University and Aberystwyth was just 
coming into contact with people from completely different backgrounds to me. You know, um, they've been educated in different countries from completely different kind of social backgrounds, different cultures, religions. And it was just, it was fantastic to kind of work with, with different people like that. Okay, fantastic. And I've seen it a lot. It's something that I would love to do because, mm. you know, it's very interesting. It is, you know, yeah. If you're a curious individual, you know, mm. really just looking at history and, yeah. and and some of those things. I mean, I think it's fantastic. It's mm-hmm. fantastic sort of dinner table conversations as well just to say <laughs> yeah. you know what guess what i've been looking at today yeah and, you know, so yeah I really appreciate that so you so you did your degree in english at the university of manchester mm-hmm. and then you moved on to do the master's degree yeah. and that was whilst you were sort of volunteering and mm-hmm. supporting yeah. the uh, john Ryland's library yeah and working as well because i needed to, to pay my rent somehow so tackling a few different things so that, living yeah. and breathing books yeah and, and in that whole spectrum so after that, your first sort of role or your first main role was mm. in the field of sort of HR, would you say? Yeah, H- absolutely. HR? And it was a, it's a funny story, really, in terms of yeah. how, how I ended up from, <laughs> from yeah. archives to that. So I was finishing up my master's dissertation and I thought, right, I need to get a job to figure out until I can get my first archivist role. Yeah. Um, I applied on a contractor basis and I yeah. landed a four-week contract at what was co-op pharmacy yeah. in the HR team. Yeah. I was actually a PA to a PA. PA to a PA. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so. so I thought, right, I can type, I can, you know, do whatever who, they need to. Who was the PA for? And it was the HR director, the so HR, the HR board member. Okay. So unbeknownst to me, my first day, I thought, right, it's only for four weeks. And I walked into the co-op headquarters in Manchester, big yeah. kind of spaceship building, very yeah. impressive. Yeah. Open the lifts. And I didn't realise that that was the day that the sale had gone through of the company from co-op to the best way group yes so the lift opened and i just remember carnage there's so much going on there was so much things because we had to separate from the co-op group and become a a new business and i suppose that really opened my eyes to the world of hr so i'd grown up hearing the word personnel you know you have kind of an impression of what hr is maybe um and this was completely different we were talking about how we extracted ourselves from the co-op group we need a new head office we need a new brand we needed new payroll systems hr systems we were going through really complex things about how we kind of untied our estate from that of the co-op group and it was just fascinating to me and I got involved in so many different projects there that actually I started on a four-week um, contract and left five years later. <laughs> so wow. transitioned from a number of different roles, went into the, I supported a lot of HR operations um, projects throughout my time there and went into the world of L&D as well. So L&D coordinator, did a lot on our digital platform brought in a new learning management system so it was just perfect place perfect time i had no intention of going into hr but i think the excitement in the world of it was just it just really captured me and, and really captivated me actually so what i thought i wanted to do working very quietly in a library kind of you know on on dean's gate up in john Mylands, really what i thrived in was a really fast-paced environment full of different people and lots of different projects so okay. so that's where i found my feet so, yeah so the the core pharmacy then became mm. wells Farm, well pharmacy. Well, well pharmacy yeah yeah Owned by the Best Way. Yes, Best Way Group, yeah. Group, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and your first day was more or less with the hustle and bustle of that transition. And yeah. HR is always at the forefront of any yeah. of these mergers and acquisitions. And, Absolutely, yeah. Um, in terms of getting the, the, the communication out and people obviously sometimes worried about yeah. the sort of roles and their jobs. Big and change management and, piece, and, yeah. And looking at the whole sort of transition, mm. really. Yeah, and I remember the one conversation, it was just uh, one of those classic kind of coffee 
coffee machine conversations and someone said, do you know what? What do we do with all of our HR records? And I said, funnily enough, they did well, archives and records. <laughs> <laughs> and so then that, that's, yeah, yeah. that's how my contract got extended. Yeah. And, and we worked on that as a project. And then I think showed myself as a, a safe pair of hands with multiple different projects. And yeah, stayed there and, and gained a wealth of experience. So yeah. yeah. So it was it was perfect time, right place, right time. Put myself, you know, in for projects and roles that maybe I wasn't wasn't fully qualified for, but, but kind of just went with it based on I've got a good strong work ethic and I can pick up what, what everyone can give me and then yeah, went for it really. So this is a very large organization mm. in the co-op pharmacy mm. at the time, seven and a half thousand people. Yeah. Many, many branches, mm. uh, 600 and something branches probably yeah. uh, at the time, 620, something mm. like that. Many different roles within the organization yeah. and you're the PA of the PA to the HR, <laughs> to, the, <laughs> yes. to, to, the, to the HR director. Yeah. So part of a fairly relatively small team, mm. I would suggest. Mm. And, you know, you're dealing with, again, a new new area for you, you know, you know, you know yeah. new, new area. And, and then you've been able to differentiate yourself, uh, be open-minded to the challenges yep. and, and grow from there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just just took every opportunity. And that's what I say to a lot of our trainees, especially kind of early on in your career, just try not to say no, try and say yes to as many things as possible. Even if you feel that you're not comfortable in terms of you're not 100% sure that you're there and you can do it, try your best, learn, especially for our trainees. You know, they've got a bit of a safety net of being on that trainee program so they, they can, you know, have a bit more. And I think it's really important to go for things, even if you think actually... I'm probably not 100% qualified for it, but I'll give it a, a good go. And then usually it's worked out so far it's, anyway. It's, yeah, it's also understanding yourself. Yeah. I mean, your transferable skills, yeah. you know, the, the attention to, you know, if you talk about archiving, it's attention to detail. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, it's, it's the nitty gritty stuff. It's, yeah. And, and then, then, then that combined with your sort of love for the language, mm. English language, mm. and, and, and that part of it, it makes ideal in yeah. terms of... And communication, I think communication, communication skills, yeah, yeah, was, yeah, was massively important. And and something that I do reflect on as well, I was studying, volunteering, and working at the same time. So just wow. time management, you know, kind of being organised, that kind of thing. And I always say to people earlier on in their career, think about what transferable your skills you've got, not just from work, but do you volunteer? Does it show that you can juggle a few things? If you're a young carer, you know, all, the, all these experiences give people transferable skills that maybe yeah. at the time you don't realise, but that's yeah. what really succeeds in the world of work as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, fantastic. Really appreciate it. So you stayed for stayed at what was well, yeah. well pharmacy for a, for a number of years. Yes. Looking after then at the end, sort of engagement manager. Yes. So talk yeah. to us a little bit about that title, engagement manager. What does that actually mean? Yeah. So it was quite a new role. So engagement manager was really focusing on actually how can we take the feedback and, and kind of get a pulse of where our workforce is at, and how can we make improvements to that and understand that so that we can optimize our workforce essentially. So quite a new area of HR quite a new role um, and one of the main kind of areas that we we focused on initially was our annual engagement survey so it was okay. really that opportunity to take feedback listen to our colleagues and ultimately action that to improve the experience of a colleague as well as well so and, and in terms of um, i mean i mean again I'm, I'm quoting you i'm going to be quoting your linkedin because i've, I've had a bit of a look into it bit of no a into this. you talk about coaching the mm. you know, passion about coaching and, and the whole sort of coaching way of managing staff mm. and people and so mm. forth so talk to us a little bit about your introduction to this whole coaching arena and, and how do you view that as a positive way I would mm. assume of managing people yeah and I think many roles in HR my role back in at well and, and here 
it's quite a small team. So I think very early on in HR, you have to realize that actually there's only so much you can do as one person and working through others and coaching others and, and empowering others to kind of work towards the same strategy and the same agenda is how you can have a bigger impact. So you can actually go kind of health or leather as an individual working on one project, but actually if you get people on board, if you can coach and help people to help you get there as well, it, it's a much bigger impact that you can get. So across HR, I work with a lot of people who have taken on additional roles as, a, as an engagement champion or a recognition champion. And it's always kind of a, an additional thing to their, their role. Maybe it's someone with a bit of passion or a bit of enthusiasm. And I suppose coaching those people has basically kind of expanded my network and my reach and the impact that we could have really. So, okay. yeah. So in terms of, you know, you've had, you've had a, a number of different roles where, mm. you know, you've been managed and mm. you know, you've got, you've gone into teams and so forth. I mean, what have you learned about sort of management styles and how has that changed for you mm. yourself? And how do you at this moment in time perceive, you know, what, what does good look like for yourself? I think having a manager and, and being a manager, I think someone once said to me early on in my career, you've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. So okay. listen, <laughs> and that's that being good stead for, um, for being an engagement manager, you know, listening to feedback of the team, of your yeah. manager, being open to feedback yourself as manager, I think is absolutely important. And someone who appreciates and acknowledges that they don't have all the answers as well. So yeah. I think I've always looked up for my managers if they themselves are really clear on their development areas and where they want to develop into. They appreciate that they don't have all the answers all, you know, all the time asking for feedback. And I think that's that's always inspired me as a colleague. And I think that's the sort of manager that I'd, I'd like to be and, and, and to continue to be as well. So two-way feedback is always really important for me and someone who is continuously learning themselves, I suppose, yeah. And any sort of, I mean, not trying to put you in the corner, but any sort of experiences that are a bit more mem- memorable that you think, you know, I quite like the way this mm. manager held, held, does things or, or, or things that are no-nos for your good self to say, you know what, this, I, I just wouldn't do this. Yeah, I think um, one manager particularly um, kind of sticks out for me and they made what I think is a really difficult transition from being a HR role into a very operational role in the business. And I yeah. thought at that time, actually, do you know what, the, the way that, and, and she happened to be a, a female leader as well, which was, which really kind of, obviously kind of inspired me yeah. because I thought her, the way that she acted strategically rather than kind of reactively, obviously showed such a skill set that she was really valued in the operations world. So she made that transition. Yeah. Um, and I thought actually that's so powerful to be, to think that you don't have to be in HR all, all your working life as well. So I thought that was really inspiring for me too. Okay, fantastic. Mm. So, I'm afraid that's where we're going to have to leave Safraz and Sophie's conversation, but we'll have the second part next week. So if you don't want to miss that, remember to subscribe or follow us. If you're new to the podcast, let me tell you there are already 74 other Canny Conversations podcast episodes out there. And you can listen to all those past episodes by searching for Canny Conversations on your preferred podcast platform or go to 1386audio.com forward slash have a listen. We'd also love it if you could review, subscribe or follow the podcast. And please tell your friends and colleagues about us. If you'd like to know more, then go to cannyconversationspodcast.co.uk or go to Safraz's website, safraz.co.uk. Safraz has also written a series of easy to follow business books, Canny Bites. These are available from cannybites.co.uk forward slash 
by the book. As I said, we'll be back next week with the second half of Safraz's conversation with Sophie Norris, the early careers manager at luxury car maker Bentley Motors Limited. So until then, we hope you have a good week. This is a 1386 audio production.